Get off the pulpit, Johnson. The point is that you have to make sure you set that header up and do a good job. Do not, do not, do not ever apply 2,4-D to emerged winter wheat. No, Bill, that is not an invitation for you to charge me more. Oh, they are starting to look ugly. There is no question about that. Good day, and welcome to Wheat Beats Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, September the 21st. Yes, baby, harvest underway, going full steam ahead, and many people surprised on the upside. Things a little better than we expected they would be on this episode of The Word. Some watchouts and things to look for during harvest. Some wheat planting notes. Lots of questions coming in there. Cover crop management. Boy, it's looking really great. Can it be too good? And at the end of the update, some specific specific questions that I haven't gotten around to in the last little while. Let's go. First off, where are all the messages? Yes, I know you're busy in the field, but at least you can tell me what the yields are like, how much wheat you're putting in versus how much you put in last year. Lots of things that should be coming in. Man, I don't know. That's the least messages. Maybe it was Wheat Pete's Word Live that didn't generate many messages, but by golly, leave us what's going on. Leave us your questions. Next up, Please, please, please. Yes, it's harvest. Yes, we are working long hours. Be safe, for goodness sakes. Slow down and think. Almost always accidents happen when we aren't thinking. We're a little bit tired. You just forget. Don't go there. Stop, think, disengage the combine before you get out of the cab, for goodness sakes. Lock the header up if you're going underneath. Block those wagons. Let's do everything to make sure that this is an accident-free harvest. And don't forget, for goodness sakes, don't forget the lights on the wagons at night. It just drives me nuts when I see wagons on the road that aren't properly lit. For goodness sakes, think about the consequences. This is such a big topic. We're actually going to have a session on it at the Southwest Ag Conference this January. So whatever you do, be safe. Next, harvest is underway and yes, going really well. Most growers on corn silage are talking about average yields, but great ground conditions. For the most part, no rainfall out there, staying dry, not as much compaction, don't have to fight mud. So average is okay. And the quality on the corn silage, this is the real bright spot. Most growers saying that the quality of the corn silage yields might be average, but very, very high starch, high energy. So a higher proportion of kernels to stover in this silage. Yep, short, not amazing yields, but really great quality. Going to make milk and make beef like crazy. Edible bean harvest is just flying forward. Things coming out of the field like crazy. The colored beans, the kidneys, the crayons, they are not doing quite as well. Looks like they are not quite as drought and heat tolerant as the white beans and the black beans. The whites in particular really doing well. Some 34 and 3500 pound white bean yields. Looks like they just handle that drought stress, that heat stress a little bit better. A few real disasters, no question in the edible bean game where it was super dry and maybe wasn't just the best soil, but in general terms, the edibles just a little bit below average, not awful. On the soybean front, from 17, ouch, so some yields on really droughty soils with no rainfall in the sewer, no question whatsoever, but so far a high of 66 bushels per acre and getting 
better. So the soybean front, really quite a positive story. For the most part, Grow is quite happy with that. That's a good news story. A couple notes on harvest, for goodness sakes. Look at your header loss on your soybean harvest or if you're clipping edible beans and adjust, adjust, adjust in soybeans. Four beans per square foot equals one bushel per acre loss. When I go out into harvested fields, some guys doing an amazing job getting that cutter bar set tight, not losing many beans. Some of the older combines really doing a terrible job. A few guys that aren't setting things up even on a new combine right doing a poor job as well. When I was in Western Canada, I really like these Macdon headers with, with the down pressure that they can put on it. And I was in Western Canada and talked to a grower about that. He says, oh gosh, Macdon, the honeybees are even better that in the lentils, the Macdons go through, they go back out there with a, a honeybee and they can get another two bushels per acre or whatever. I'm not pushing one header over another. That's not the point. I think the point is that you have to make sure you set that header up and do a good job. If you're finding four beans per square foot, that's one bushel. In my own case, the old white, I can't get the header to work well enough to actually hug the ground anymore. So I'm hiring a neighbor to do my soybean combining this year. I hate to admit it, but he's got an excellent header. He does a super job. When I did it last year, he was getting between two and a half and three more bushels per acre. In that situation, it becomes pretty cheap custom combining to do that job right. No, Bill, that is not an invitation for you to charge me more, but make sure as you set up your combines, you tip the knife down, you get it close to the ground. I'm astounded at how much difference that makes in how many bushels we actually put in the bin. All right, just before I leave harvest, a caller asking about an update on the U.S. harvest. So yes, the U.S. is hard at harvest. They've been at corn harvest for a while, also soybean harvest. The crop in the U.S. looks solid, not record, but most reports I'm seeing growers are, are saying average or slightly above average. There's a few areas below average. There's a few areas really good as you would expect, but in general terms, just a solid harvest in the U.S. I think of real note out of the U.S. harvest is the problem they're running into now, particularly in the corn states, the I states, with diplodia in the crop. And diplodia can be quite a significant issue. I actually saw a tweet where one grower had his corn sample when he delivered it to the elevator down graded with 83% of the kernels affected by diplodia. Wow, that's unbelievable. Other growers talking about 17% and 10%. Diplodia, essentially a fungal pathogen, gets into the kernel, makes the kernel really light because it chews up the starch inside the kernel, so low test weight, lower yield, and also a huge storage issue because once you have that in there, other molds can come in, so they're really talking about drying down to 14% and cooling the grain out and get this it's mainly a problem with corn on corn or continuous corn as soon as we go into a decent rotation the diplodia goes away because it comes out of the corn residue really shows why rotation in this province is such a huge benefit for every grower corn on corn not a big deal here in Ontario thankfully so don't expect we'll see a lot of diplodia here but for those of you growing corn on corn we actually had a perfect year for it dry right up until pollination time, rain just within that first 21 days after tassel, after pollination. That's the perfect conditions for diplodia. Might see a little bit out there where we do have corn on corn here in the province this year. Okay, before I get into the wheat and the cover crop issues, I just want to mention about doing the word live at Canada's Outdoor Farm Show. We did it both Tuesday and Thursday at the Pride Pavilion. What a blast that was. Thanks to 
everyone who came out. But my real question for the people listening on the audio that weren't at the farm show, how did that work when we recorded it live? We got very little feedback. Give us a little bit of feedback how that worked. If it failed, tell us that. We're just looking to always provide good service and good information. Enough. Plant wheat. Jamie, I can't believe it. Jamie called me. It's 120 acres of wheat ready to go. 40 acres that's not ready. The edibles aren't off it yet. And so he's waiting for his custom seeder to come in for the whole 160 acres. Not going to move for 120 acres. Just wait a minute. Let's think about this. 120 acres. Let's say there's a seven day delay because the edibles aren't quite ready to go yet. It could be more than seven days if ever we start getting too much rain. But let's just say a seven day delay in planting that 120 acres. These days right now are so critical because look at these 24, 25 degree daytime temperatures, nighttime temperatures, I don't know, 13. Once we get into October, we're not going to have this weather. So these days are really important. It's a bushel per acre per day loss from planting. If I take 120 acres of wheat, I delay planting seven days, that's seven bushels per acre. I do the math at that, $5 a bushel, which is what I can forward contract that wheat for today. That's a $4,200 hit that you're taking just to get the custom app guy so that he doesn't have to move down, plant 120 acres, move back and move back a week later for that 40 acres. I think $4,000 in my pocket is worth moving twice. I just, I don't buy that for one second. Get that wheat planted. And so for everybody else, think about this. Don't delay. Chase the combine with the drill. Talk to another grower. His drill is within an hour of the combine. That's the way it needs to be. These are the critical days. Get that job done. Remember, find moisture. So in some situations, we're still quite dry. As the moisture dries out, if you have to go to two inches deep, go two inches deep. Get into moisture. The ideal depth, absolutely one inch planting in Ontario, out in Western Canada, a little bit different, but here in Ontario, we want to be an inch, an inch and a quarter deep, but it's got to be into moisture. One last quick note. I'm getting an awful lot of questions about 2,4-D ahead of wheat. And part of this is coming out of the fact that you can use 2,4-D low volatile ester ahead of planting soybeans. And a lot of growers are saying, well, why can't I use 2,4-D low volatile ester ahead of planting winter wheat? It actually is labeled. So What's the issue? In Peter Sikma's work, for goodness sakes, do not, do not, do not ever apply 2,4-D to emerged winter wheat in the fall. The yield hit is cruel. In Johnson's experience, if you apply 2,4-D ahead of planting wheat on lighter soil types and you get a rainfall, you get the wrong weather after, I have seen very significant yield implications, up to an 80% yield loss in some really severely damaged crops. I don't like 2,4-D ahead of wheat at all. I don't understand why you want to go there. If you have fleabane, it's glyphosate plus Aragon. The Aragon is better on the fleabane than the 2,4-D and that's really the weed that we're after. So I just don't understand why you would want to do that. But if you really must use a hormone, for goodness sakes, MCPA is much safer on wheat than 2,4-D. So if we're going to go down that road, we just have to start using some MCPA ester. We don't have agribusinesses here in the province even carrying it. We got to change that, but that would be my recommendation. Okay, enough. Get off the pulpit, Johnson, and move on to cover crops. Couple things on cover crops from Ken at Elderton. Ken is out there strip tilling for corn in wheat fields that had oats planted as a cover crop. 
perfect. I love it. It's awesome. But Ken's saying, and he's so right on, the oats are two feet tall. I've even seen oats coming into head. They're getting incredibly stemmy. I love oats as a cover crop. I love cover crops, but they take management. So for goodness sakes, if you are in that scenario, the oats are two feet high, you have to decide to do something with them. You either terminate them. I hate that answer because it means we we don't capture the sunlight from here on in, but we have captured the best part of the sunlight, way more sunlight energy in August than there is in October, or you go out there and you clip them. You can't let them go stemmy. If you do that, they cause problems. The other question that came in, Leroy reading ads in the Western Ontario farmer saying, rust buster oats from Cribbit Seeds, do they really work? The answer? Yes, the breeders are doing a good job of giving us back some genetic resistance to crown rust that has been so devastating for us. If you look at the variety name, if it says AAC in front of it, that's coming out of the Ag Canada breeding program at Ottawa, and those varieties have very good tolerance to crown rust. It's not always 100%, so I gotta be a little bit careful, but the really good varieties, AAC Bullet, Almonte, Oakland, or Pontiac, they all have the AAC model in front. All four of those, when you look at the trials, are between a zero for crown rust and a one for crown rust. That means you could plant them, particularly as a cover crop oat, you could plant them, not spray them for rust, and actually still have a pretty nice crop. And by the way, as you're driving past cover crop oats, if they're not a variety that has that better tolerance, oh, they are starting to look ugly. There is no question about that. All right, finish up here with the specific questions. First, in terms of round baleage and the grower who who asked about the plastic and the crows because the doggone oats come out in the head and then the crows want to eat the seed and they're poking through the plastic and then it all rots. Three things came back. There's a product called Secure Cover that you can buy, supposed to help. Another grower said, put plastic bale wrap, the net wrap on top of your plastic that the crows and the birds don't like the feel of that on their feet. They'll leave it alone. And this is the best one. I love this one. I want some people to try this. Tell me if it actually works. A grower said, take a black spray paint can and paint paint three foot squiggly lines on the black plastic that look like snakes. If the crows and the birds think those are snakes, they will leave the plastic bales alone. I think that's a cool one to try. Let me know if it works. Okay, Ray, you asked about seeding rates for weed control. Ray's up on the North Shore. He says he never gets lodging. He really wants to control his weeds. What can he do in terms of seeding rates? How high can he go? Mike Cobra, Francois Tardif at University of Guelph doing an excellent job on some research on this. And yes, you, the higher you go with seeding rate, Ray, the less weeds you will have, the more competitive the crop will be. I think if you're looking at, uh, depending on the crop, but you're looking at typical seeding rates for a cereal crop, you want better weed control, you could double the seeding rate. It would definitely give you better weed control. But economically, yeah, not so good. Two other quick things. One, sulfur. So I did way back when talk about elemental sulfur being 5 to 10% available. A grower saying, well, wait a minute. I've heard that if I dissolve that elemental sulfur in my manure, apply it in my manure, that more of it will be available. When you look at elemental sulfur, it's all about fineness of grind. It's like limestone. So the pellets that come, they take time to dissolve. Would they actually be more available if you put them in the manure and they dissolved first? Well, initially you think, yeah, because then they're not the granule, but in the soil solution, they're going to dissolve as well. And so it's not just about that fineness of grind. It's also about how quickly the bugs can work at it. Would it increase the availability. Maybe I have no research to say that it would or it wouldn't. Would it actually get up to 50%? I kind of highly doubt it. I think likely if you dissolve 
it in the manure, maybe 10% availability. If we don't do anything, maybe 5% availability. Last, on organic matter, and a caller saying, so is calcium carbonate part of soil organic matter? And the answer is absolutely not. Calcium carbonate is limestone, has nothing to do with organic matter. So that's a non-starter. If that doesn't answer the question or you don't quite understand, you'll have to ask me again. On that note, because of the word live, there may be questions that you ask that you never heard the answer to, even though I answered them. For goodness sakes, if that's the situation, ask them again. Meanwhile, that's all on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com. This is Wheat Pete with the word for September the 21st. Ask us questions, leave us comments, and we'll be back next week with the answers and the updates. Wednesday, September the 28th will be the target. Get in the field, get the wheat planted. We'll talk to you then. Bye now.